Welcome, welcome to ELL 231, guys. Top of the show. Want to tell you to check out the Boring Podcast. That's B-O-R, as in Brian, Odie, and Rico. And Howie, the godfather of liberty, joined us on the last episode. It is hilarious. We do some TV recaps of 90 Day Fiance, the show for desperate, ugly people trying to find love from horny and uh, (laughs) wealth-hungry young Russians. In addition to uh, just overall ugly people across the world finding love and then realizing that they were sold a false bill of goods. But we also talk about things like, am I the asshole? Reddit stories, people that don't know if they're the asshole or not. Tales of woe. Uh, Of course, our own ridiculous happenings. You know, we drink a lot. Sometimes we do horrible things. And then we talk about them on the show. And the brand new episode, or uh, I should say the brand new segment, Shart Tank, wherein we take horrible patent ideas and see if we can make them into gold. So check that out anywhere podcasts are heard, guys. The Boring Podcast. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty Podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and Liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Electric Liberty Land episode number 231. Now, you know, for a while now, we've been meaning to do a little bit more video for the podcast. I know you guys are listening through your ear holes every week to my delicious voice and ramblings, but we wanted to get a little bit more involved with YouTube even though the bastards have demonetized us and we don't know how to get off demonetization. There's basically, you know, these, there's ways that you can challenge being kicked off YouTube, getting content removed from YouTube. But as of right now, we've not been able to figure out a way to get ourselves back on the money monetization, the money train. Uh, Denzel Washington, can you give us some advice, please? Have you on the podcast to talk about it. But It's one of those amazing things where this giant company exists, has all these products and services that people use, but yet you can't really get any fucking contact with them because it is a labyrinth of, you know, walls and non, you know, just basically every avenue you go to ends in a dead end and there's nowhere to tell you to go from there, right? So we don't know. We don't know what we're going to do. But either way, it helps us to have more of you watching on YouTube. You get to see my beautiful face. And uh, I'm going to experiment a little bit here with how we're going to do the format. Because obviously with my show, there's going to be a lot of edits. And uh, our beautiful VP of uh, social media and social content, Justin Campbell, is going to be helping us out with that and uh, and figuring out those edits for us. But for now, I'm going to do a trial run. I'm just going to do the front segment of the show and not go and try to figure out how I'm going to you know, give him the wink, ah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge <laughs> to edit out the content yet. I'm tired. I don't feel like dealing with it. But if you want to go, if you're just listening to the podcast and you want to go to our YouTube, it's just youtube.com forward slash lines of liberty. And you can see me record this and you'll get more of this as we uh, figure it out moving forward. But at the top of the show today, I wanted to tell you two things. Number one, Go and support our longtime sponsor, Zippix, Z-I-P-P-I-X, toothpicks.com. These are nicotine-infused toothpicks. They also have vitamin B12 ones, which I like for my hangovers. I'm still hungover from Memorial Day, which is the topic of this rant. But these guys have been a longtime sponsor of the show. Fantastic product. If you want that hand-to-mouth feel, like if you're a smoker, if you're a vapor, if you want something that you're going to be able to put in your mouth, roll it around, uh, get that feel and still get that nicotine buzz, these will help you. I have had personal friends that got off of smoking, got off of vaping by using them. Now, that's not a promise for everybody, but it did help these friends of mine. And 
I don't know. I love them. They're fun at parties. They're made in the lab. They're FDA registered. This isn't, you know, something made in a, in a guy's woodshed that you don't know what you're getting. You're getting a solid product and something that uh, that I love. And make sure to use that promo code ROAR, R-O-A-R, ROAR, at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's Zippix, Z-I-P-P-I-X, toothpicks.com. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. Now, like I said, I'm hungover from Memorial Day, right? And I'm not somebody that uh, doesn't enjoy a good federal holiday, Right. Even though I, you can disagree with, with whether or not they should be mandated, which we can all disagree as much as we want, but I still enjoy my days off. And I'm celebrating it this past, uh, this past weekend, right? you know, playing a little beer pong, doing a little shots. And I wasn't really going to talk about Memorial Day that often until something today when I was reading through the news links, you know, Howie Snowden, he always sends out his news links and just in reading about some of the celebrations and seeing some of the celebrations online and what people have posted, you know, thank you for your service. Thank you to those who have died in the past defending American liberties. I couldn't help but think about just how ironic it's become that we celebrate Memorial Day, right? And that's not to take away from the memories of the dead. That's not to take away from those who have died in the service of the country or in the service of something that they believed in, right? The service of something that was the American lifestyle, American liberty, right? Your right to, to live your life, you know, your, your right to liberty, your right to protect your family, protect what you've worked for, uh, protect the way of life that you had come to um, to become accustomed to and to believe in as the greatest and most inspirational way of governing that uh, the world had seen, right, to this point, let's say. Now, I know there's a lot of myths and legends involved with military history in the United States, of course. I know that there is a lot of myths and legends that are not necessarily accurate in how we are told the country came together. And I'm sure a lot of that is, you know, is true. You know, I'm sure a lot of the uh, the myths we were told about the founding fathers are not completely accurate, but they do. They did lead to a system which I think should be defended. Um and it's something that has been eroded over time. And that, of course, like I said, is centric on liberty, centric on personal property, centric on, on protecting the individual's right to make their way forward. And we've been in several wars, arguably lied into many of them. But in the past, at least we'd say, well, there was a threat at large, right? We're protecting the American way of life. These people went off and died for what they believed in, and they returned uh, some of them alive, some of them dead, but they were viewed as heroes, right? Remember the fallen soldiers defending our way of life. And again, I'm not trying to besmirch any of those people. But where it's become a little bit ironic to me is that the people who died in the past protecting American liberty are pretty much a lost generation or generations. These, these people, with very little doubt in my mind, will never exist again as, as I would view them. Namely in that we're now seeing... Then this is the irony. Those who died for the promise of American liberty uh, in the past are now, compared to those in the present in the military, the people I'd say in the military dying currently are actually dying to end the American dream. Um, they are dying in the efforts of a military industrial complex, of an empire building that has been going on for the past, I don't know, 50, 70 years, right? At, at the very minimum. And you obviously you can argue well past that. But they are now dying 
at the whims of a government that does not exist to protect the liberties of Americans. We are fed a lie. We are brought up and, and spoon-fed this concept that American liberty still exists in the ways in which the Founding Fathers envisioned, in which we celebrated, in which people died for in the past, at least ostensibly. Right? But nowadays, you look at what we're, what we're getting involved in. You look at people who may still be enticed to join the military, right? We still have a voluntary military at this point. We don't, we have, don't have the current draft ongoing. So these are all people that are volunteering. And you see there are quite a bit of psyops going on as there always have been in why you should join the military, right? You look at the commercials that are airing all over and they say, America's, you know, we are a global force for good. At least that was the Navy's catchphrase, which I rolled my eyes at. And you know, the police of the world, lovely. Let's keep policing the fucking world. So you have all of these you can be what you want to be. You know, go here. You can, you get your career started. And there's a lot of promise of that because there is a large portion of the population that either does not have the skills provided to them by the educational system, the federally led educational system, I'll remind you, that has failed millions and millions and millions, especially uh, minorities and the poor in this country. You have people that simply don't know what direction to go. They don't know which way to turn with their lives. And they're told that this is a way to get yourself back on track, which does work for some people. I mentioned Howie earlier, Howie was in the military. Many of the listeners of this show were in the military and made something out of that and took something out of it to, to get their career started for their lives. Right? Jason Stapleton, obviously, is another example of that. He was in, uh, you know, fairly high up in reconnaissance forces. And Howie himself was in, you know, intelligence forces. So you have people that can use the military for good, but at the same time, you also have people that are basically enticed to join because of the promise that they will be fighting for something good. We're told that there are constantly threats at all points and that America is always on the verge of being invaded somehow, despite the fact that the only time we were invaded turned out to start the country up, right? We don't have to worry about it. It's not going to happen. Pearl Harbor wasn't, you know, that, I, I, you can't call that an invasion. You can call that an attack. And it was a singular event. But now we're being told that we're constantly under threat of attack. You know, 9-11 happened. That was an excuse. And that is just like Memorial Day, an excuse that is memorialized to create more fear, create more anger, create more, I guess, synchronicity between the population groups to have them continue to bond over, again, this American myth that has been perpetrated and continues to be perpetrated. But we're having people be sent off, even though we're told that we're always under attack, we're told that we always have to defend American liberties. We're seeing people sent off to places that really have little or nothing to do with the everyday American life. You know, I don't see how American troops dying in Somalia trying to fight uh, whatever that I'm blanking on the name of the um, the terrorist force over there, the Muslim terrorist force, Al-Shabaab, something along those lines. But you have Americans over there fighting them, right? Dying over there. You have Americans uh, in you know across every, virtually every continent. We have American forces stationed there. We have American forces uh, influencing different people's elections. We have American operatives influencing, you know, like the CIA. I talked about the clandestine force of sixty thousand operatives that are employed by our government, the CIA. But alone, not you know, but taking that aside. Actual people on the ground fighting. We've been in Afghanistan for twenty years, and Afghanistan had nothing to do with nine eleven. From every practical standpoint, we've been there for 20 years. Americans have died there for 20 years. And now we're talking about pulling out and nothing's changed. The Taliban actually has more control of land now than they did before. And again, how is this possibly going to impact the American lives at home? 
The only way I can see the tangible impact of us being over there is that the military industrial complex continues to perpetuate itself. We have a Pentagon budget in the, you know, it's over a trillion now. The last one that passed was $1.2 trillion, again, to perpetuate not only the military industrial complex, not only the empire building of America, not only the antagonization that could lead to a real legitimate attack from a superpower upon Americans. You know, not only that, but like I'm saying, the CIA's clandestine operation of 60,000 people. You have the Biden administration with, you know, using this massive military budget built up on this, you know, we must always protect America. We must memorialize the troops who died there for American American liberty. You have them using that budget to look into hiring outside contractors that don't exist under the actual purview of government because then they would have to abide by your Fourth Amendment rights, right? They'd have to actually abide by the laws which were put into place under the Constitution, whether or not you approve of that document or not, they exist, right? Your rights, your protected rights. The Biden administration now is looking to use their funds to go around those protected rights and hire private contractors, data mining operations, third parties that exist in the private sector in order to spy on you, the American citizen. So we continue to see the use of Memorial Day uh, as a, you know, to gin up these jingoistic thoughts. We look to see the anniversary of 9-11, right? As another reason to keep people, never forget, right? We're told never forget that this attack happened. We're reminded constantly. Every news station dedicates hours of coverage to it. We have national species being done. We have monuments that have been erected everywhere. We have monuments erected in places as far as Los Angeles. I walk my dogs and there's the 9-11 monuments everywhere, even though I don't know what 9-11 monuments have to do with Santa Monica, you know, but we can never forget. But not only that, it's not only the national holidays uh, insofar as getting people to buy into what is what we're being told is protecting American liberty, but really is the erosion of it. We look into almost any big holiday now, right? We have been turned uh, Columbus Day into Juneteenth, right? Because now we are celebrating the the slaves and the freedom of the, you know, and black uh, rights and all this stuff. At least that's what we're told we're celebrating. But in essence, is it trying to divide us more as a people? Is it trying to distract us away from what's going on? You know, it's like when you see corporate America embracing wokeism or the CIA embracing wokeism, which they recently did in their ads. It's that classic trick of misdirection. Look over here. Oh, we're celebrating black rights. We're celebrating women's rights. We're celebrating our our diversity. We're celebrating all these things. But as we're looking over there and celebrating diversity, we're ignoring the main culprits here. We're ignoring crony capitalism, uh, eroding the value of the dollar. We're looking at the Fed teaming up with banks printing trillions and trillions of dollars and undermining the basic American's ability to save and spend and support a family. All the while, we're still propping up government. We're growing the government. We're growing the people that are depending on the government dole. So they're building an army, basically a coalition of people that are reliant on the government. And the military is a big part of that because you think of how many people are employed by the military. You think about all of those people that are employed in military adjacent careers in creating the bombs, the weaponry, the research organizations, the intelligence organizations, the software that promotes this. I have friends that work in, you know, literally just upgrading the softwares on Coast Guard ships. You're talking millions of people that are enlisted into this coalition. And that's not to mention that people that were injured overseas that are now dependent on the government because they have been laid low, either by virtue of PTSD, by getting their arms and legs burned off, by being burned beyond recognition, by having deep psychological issues, being drug addicted. 
the government in this threat is what I view. I mean, like I said, the irony of Memorial Day, the, the irony of most of these celebratory days is that they are eroding the basic liberties because all we're doing when we're celebrating the current iteration, and again, not to take away from people that have died over there, they probably died believing whatever con they were sold about dangers to the United States. Or maybe they just were trying to get a lifestyle going, trying to get uh, life skills going. But like I said, they should be the angriest people of all on Memorial Day. They should be fucking furious on Memorial Day because it's not what they signed up for. What they're doing now is not defending American liberty. What they're doing now is tearing it down piece by piece. They are entrenching a huge government system, the largest in the history of the world, entrenching a government system that is dead set on eroding the basic liberties of its own citizens. We are seeing it play out. We're seeing the Biden administration by leaps and bounds attack virtually every institution. We're seeing the adoption of critical race theory, which is without a doubt divisive at its very core. It is designed to teach people that the founding of the nation was not based upon you know, common principles of liberty, of, uh, of equality, of you know, what we've been taught. Even if they own slaves, yes, I acknowledge the founders had slaves. I acknowledge that. But people tried to rip Jefferson down. Jefferson tried to put amendments to, the, to end slavery several times. Just, just FYI. He's not a perfect man. There's no perfect system. There's no perfect country. There's no perfect people. But when you look at what the end results of this are, it is for censoring speech. It is for controlling the mindset. It is for basically undermining the basic foundation principles of liberty, of private property rights, and not of, what do they have? You know, not, I don't want equality of outcome. I don't want equity, right? The country is found upon hard work. You make your way here. You're, you're assured nothing except your freedom, except your liberty. What we're fighting for now is basically the assurance that you're going to get handouts in exchange for you being subservient. You know, it's, it's the irony is almost too much in that as we talk about slavery being a foundational point of the country in all these doctrines like the 1619 Project or critical race theory, we're ignoring the fact that it's being used to, to create modern slaves that are dependent on the government and look to the government as the master it's controlling their lives, controlling their destinies, controlling what they can and can't say, what they can and can't do, what their money is worth, and where their children are sent off to die. So think about that uh, next time you eat that hot dog on Memorial Day. Like I said, I can't get around the irony anymore about the people coming home in boxes, uh, the people that are coming home having served in the military in the last 25, 35, 40 years are not fighting for the same things that the people of the past were. They definitively are not. And everything that they're doing right now is furthering the cause of eroding and ending American liberty as we know it. All right, I hope you enjoyed the video. The rest of this shit is on the podcast. And uh, if you're watching this video, guys, thanks for listening. Do subscribe to the podcast version. Get the full episode on there. And uh, we'll see how much I can add on to this in the video aspect as I figure out the best way to edit it and get my different news stories in without me taking five minutes to read and then getting my social guy to edit it out, which may be the way it works. Might be the way it works. But 
hit the subscribe button on here. Hit that subscribe button on the podcast feed. Uh, you know, three fantastic shows. We've got Mondays, Mark Claire with the, uh, the flagship show doing interviews. Me on Wednesdays at Electric Liberty Land doing mostly news, but I do have some guests here and there that I work in. And of course, John Odermatt is coming in on Thursdays with Finding Freedom, where he's focusing not only on the freedoms that you're going to find economically in your personal life, in the justice system, but much, much more. And guys, check it out. If you like me, if you like our show, check out lionsofliberty.store. You can get your taxation is death t-shirt there, along with many others. This shirt particularly, though, I think sums it up and ties in nicely for today's theme because your tax dollars, right? People can defend it. People can say, well, taxation is theft. Okay, that's theft, theft. Well, you can object to that, right? Maybe you can have a good argument about it. You cannot argue that taxation leads to death. Taxation is death in our current American system. Your money is being used for bombs that murder innocent civilians. So one last tidbit. And look, we had to do an edit point there because I could not read the numbers on the screen, right? I kept saying the wrong thing because I kept reading the number, then going on to the next sentence and then fucking it up. So anyway, a new report just came out talking about how, yes, your tax dollars are used for dealing death. And that there are no surgical strikes. They like to pretend there are, but really, it's all casualties for civilians. New massive war study from the Action on Armed Violence, or AOAV, uh, showed that 91% of all global casualties from explosives were civilians. Yeah. This is, of course, right after the Israelis bombed an apartment building in the Gaza Strip where you had two uh, two of the fighter pilots basically saying, oh, we were frustrated about uh, Hamas getting so successful in the region. So we just blew up this apartment building full of women and children. But I think 35 plus children now confirmed dead from those attacks. But some quick numbers here. Uh, let's see. It says over 357,370 deaths or injuries in 28,879 incidents, 123 countries and territories. At least 262,413 of those casualties of 73% were civilians. Uh, explosive weapons killed 155,000 people, 92 or not, almost 93,000 of those, 60% civilians, and injured 202,000 people, of which 169, almost, 100, almost 170,000 or 84% were civilians. So. There you go. There's some fun facts for you guys. Whenever your asshole friends want to talk about how they want to be taxed more, we love to hear politicians talk about that. Tax me more. All you're talking about is taxation primarily used for death dealing. Uh, it's really what's funny is that we always complain about government inefficiency, right? How many government programs there are that help in zero ways. You know, we talk about enlisting this government army, these, these people signing up to be slaves of the government. And What's so funny is that so many people that get the assistance from the government, it leads to nothing but basically stagnation in their lives. When you look at education dollars, you look to look to how that's going. Oh, stagnation in the education system. The only thing that's not stagnant when it comes to government spending your dollars efficiently is how many civilians they kill. Actually, I can't even say it's efficiently, but they're pretty damn good at killing civilians in other countries. All right, so next topic here, moving into uh, some censorship in regards to COVID, right? Now, we're seeing COVID get, uh, I don't know, rolled back. You know, we're seeing a lot of mask mandates drop here in Los Angeles, which had kept them going extra stupid fucking long, is now going to be dropping them as of the 15th. And I cannot wait. God, I can't fucking wait. But we still see 
that Facebook is fact-checking, right? Facebook's still taking down misinformation. And, you know, I said the irony of the misinformation thing, I guess irony is the theme of today's show, is that you see these people at Facebook censoring information. You see YouTube taking down any videos that run counter to the official American society narrative, the official CDC, to Fauci, right? They take down anything that dare question it, and now they're being proven correct. I mean, originally, we were told that no one could question whether or not the virus came from China, right? No, we had to go along with the efficient government narrative that there was no way, that it was was outlandish to say, it was racist to say that it came from a bioweapons research or a biofacility in Wuhan, China. And now it's totally looking like, oh yeah, this more than likely came from a bio research facility in Wuhan, China, which was at least partially funded by Fauci's money and uh, the U.S. government's money being funneled that direction. So conveniently, the narratives change. Now you can talk about it without being booted off Facebook, without being booted off of Twitter, without being booted off of fucking YouTube. Not only that, we see the whole mask narrative, right? We're being told that you have to spray down every surface, that it that it spreads and lives on surfaces for up to two weeks, you know, all sorts of crazy bullshit. Anybody that posts any other scientific research pushing back on it, oh, Facebook's going to fact check it. Facebook's going to remove it. You're, you're going to get zucked. People's entire groups were eliminated from Facebook because of, quote unquote, misinformation. When we now see that that information was 100% true, 100% accurate, that the narrative of the day, more often than not, especially early on in a pandemic, in the, in the existence and evolution of any disease or really of any news story period, tends to be vague and inaccurate at the forefront of it. And then as we learn more, shocking, especially with a virus, especially with something of a health matter, especially with anything with science where research is actively being undertaken at all times during this What a shock. We find out more as we go along. So it's extra incredible that we see the stupidity that these assholes on the left are cheering on censorship of information, as my dog fucking barks in the background, censorship of information, which is more likely than not going to be at least as valid or more valid than the information which came before it. But Facebook really put this into practice, even though they pretended that they were only fact-checking things that were, oh, proven and agreed upon science. Well, it turns out that James O'Keefe, who's really doing some great work over Project Veritas, released another video talking about how the tech giant of Facebook is, in fact, using algorithms to target people who disseminate messaging that runs counter to the company's political ideology and vaccine narrative even if the comments are factually accurate. Now, Keith was on Tucker Carlson, and I was trying to find video to pull from YouTube on it, and coincidentally, YouTube seems to have pulled all the videos of Tucker Carlson and James O'Keefe's conversation. There's a bunch of other ones on there from Tucker, but apparently this one has been eliminated from our uh, social lexicon. But we've got a Fox News report on it, so I'll just read some quotes Basically, he found videos from these whistleblowers who went on and on the record talking about how Facebook is trying to eliminate vaccine hesitancy. And essentially what they do is they try to quash and down, downvote, demote any comments that show vaccine hesitancy because they want people to subscribe to the narrative. They want everyone to go get vaccinated and anything that qualifies as, quote unquote, vaccine hesitancy 
will be quashed. So, like I said, even if it's factually accurate, maybe it's something posting about the dangers of vaccines. Maybe it's something questioning what people who have immune diseases or compromised immune systems are supposed to do here because they're not allowed to get the vaccine. It could compromise their immune system. It could lead to a lot of other health complications. So they are basically ineligible from getting it by virtue of their own complications. Anything like that, probably demoted. What about talking about People that are pregnant having issues that talk about the blood clots and the AstraZeneca vaccine, talk about any number of issues here, talking about just basic questions on whether or not you should vaccinate your child, because many children are basically immune to it as far as the symptoms, as far as getting sick from it. And even I would say, to, I'd even go as far as to venture that I would bet you dollars to dimes that anyone questioning whether or not you should have to get the vaccine if you've already had COVID because you have natural immunity to it should, you know, I'm saying Facebook probably in all likelihood demotes that as well. So this guy goes on to say that essentially they are going to try to censor anything that questions that narrative and that their goal is to expand the algorithm and expand and work within it so that essentially anything outside of pure agreement will be automatically demoted. People won't see it. You'll, you'll wonder, why am I not getting traction? Where are all the likes on this comment? Where's just basic interaction on it? Well, essentially, anything that goes against the pro-vaccine narrative will be deboned. Now, one has to wonder if this has to do with Facebook making deals with Big Pharma, with Facebook making deals with the government, or it's just their own personal ideology. But I would go out on, you know, and I've said this before pretty confidently, I'll go out on that that status of Facebook is not a private company any longer. Facebook works with the government hand in hand. Facebook wants more regulation working with the government to eliminate competition. We already know that they work hand in hand with the government, providing personal private data to people. We already know how social media companies from Twitter through to actually banks have turned over private personal information in regards to the capital, quote unquote, (laughs) riot uh, slash photo op that the police let them into. So it's just one more reason that Facebook must be abandoned. I mean, I say this knowing that we have a community on there, but we are looking to move on somewhere else. We're looking at locals. We're looking at some other options that are going to give us that platform where we can have a community where we're going to be safe, protected, and have freedom of speech and not have to worry about our own users getting booted off or demoted or having our uh, our group constantly getting dings, which we regularly get our dings brought up now threats against us from the Facebook gods to take our our group down and find other places to go. Uh, Facebook has proven itself to be as evil as they come. And when it comes to censoring legitimate health information because you want to push a narrative or because you're so in bed with the government narrative that you can't allow any dissent, that is literally endangering people's lives. I mean, we're talking about people completely being kept in the dark as far as valid scientific information, because Facebook doesn't agree with it politically. Just, wow, that's fucked up. And you know what? While we're talking about mega corporations, another uh, article caught my eye. This one was from Reason, which, you know, man, I tell you, I, we had, you know, we advertised with Reason on their podcast. And um, we got a lot of good listeners out of that. We had a few people that gave us one-star reviews because they're fucking assholes who apparently said that we just give right-wing talking points. Because, you know, that entire diatribe I just did about the Irony Memorial Day, I'm sure all the GOP would stand up and salute that, right? Questioning the military complex. But 
once in a while, they'll, they'll pump up some good stuff. And, you know, I could say that they've been getting a little bit too woke for my liking. Uh, and I've seen quite a few examples of it that have really uh, made me a little bit pissed off at reason. But again, you know, still a force for good overall. <laughs> However, I read an article about DC's attorney general suing Amazon into forcing it. They're trying to force it to feature worse deals and see if you could follow this Byzantine logic that they're using because it is truly something to behold and something so stupid only a fucking asshole that works for the government could come up with it. So this is all centered around Amazon and its fair pricing policy. And this woman, let's see, her name is Attorney General... Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's a guy. District of Columbia Attorney General Carl A. Racine. His point that he's trying to make is that Amazon and its fair pricing policy are uncompetitive and violate antitrust laws. And his argument for this is that Amazon and its fair pricing policy has in place basically uh, rules to try to limit people from going out and undercutting the price that is shown on Amazon. So... Let me explain this a little bit further. The fair pricing policy allows sellers to set their own prices, but Amazon can respond by that price if it goes down lower than what they were advertising by removing it from the seller's buy box or from the buy box on a product, right? Because there's multiple sellers on Amazon. You guys are all familiar with Amazon. You go on there. There's one main price that they list, right? That's the buy box. That's the one that you click to buy now, or that's the one you click to add your cart. That's usually the best price. However, you know, there's also other sellers, other vendors listed on there that may not have the prime pricing, right? Which is enticing to people, or maybe it's a used item. Those are below. So people have to scroll down or in some cases, gasp, have to click on one more time, right? They have to click one more time to get to that other price. Now, because the buy box is prominent, it's advertised, it's the go-to and the one that gets the most clicks and buys, sellers are enticed to price their goods so that they will be advertised in the buy box. This guy's argument is that vendors who have selling their, you know, selling their goods through other outlets have objected to the arrangement because if they do list their products on those other sites for lower than Amazon has them, Amazon exercises its right to take it out of the buy box and put a cheaper product in there or a cheaper vendor in that buy box, right? Because they want to have people seeing the lowest price that they can buy on the website first. Good business practices for, practices for Amazon helps the consumer, right? You're getting the lowest price on that website. Now you can seek out, if you want to spend the hours to go and research the lowest price on a product, you can still seek that out. Just the way it's always been throughout history. What is your time preference? What's your time worth? That's why Amazon is so unbelievably successful. It is keyed in to the most amount of people's time preference for how they want to use their time. I use it because I go on there. I can see multiple quotes for the product. And with one click, I can order it. It comes to my fucking house. It comes in a day. I only buy off Amazon for Prime products because I pay for Prime. It comes to my house in a day. It's very convenient. My time preference has spoken. But these people, these this attorney general is arguing that because those people had their products removed from the buy box, 
because they had to make an extra click, AKA actually have to do a little bit more effort to research that that somehow is breaking antitrust laws. Now in his own statements, right? In, in, they've done research in this. They acknowledge it doesn't break any antitrust laws. It's not anti-competitive. Or I should say they acknowledge it's not anti-competitive, but they still think somehow this violates trust laws. So that's the, that's basically what this guy's arguing. This reminds me of Josh Howley, who I can't stand in regards to his big tech uh, positions, because while, yes, I acknowledge and agree with the fact that big tech has become too powerful, I also am largely against regulating it because of the government involvement and because big tech already lobbies, as I was just talking about with Facebook, big tech lobbies to get regulated because we always see regulation simply lead to smaller startups having to go through vastly expensive armies of lawyers to try to get their products on the marketplace to deal with all these regulations, which are made more in- intrinsically difficult to deal with by these big tech companies to force out competition, which is why they all ask to be regulated. But Howley was going through and trying to trying to push some social bill that he said, you know, won't, won't somebody think of the children, but it was to stop people from being able to scroll at their leisure. They're literally trying to get in the way of consumer habits, right? They're trying to impact how people buy these products, saying that the tech companies have figured out the human mind and have they figured out how to get people to buy the most products or stay on the sites the longest. To which I reply, fucking fine. That's fine. If they figured out how the human mind works, something that people have done throughout history, something that our own government does constantly with its own psyops and messaging and branding and enticing people to join the fucking army and die for causes that hurt the the overall uh, status of liberty in the nation rather than bolstering it. Well, that's what's been happening throughout history. And you cannot say that it's illegal to figure out how people buy a product or prefer to buy a product, good or service. Or to spend their leisure time. You can't fucking outlaw that because you don't like how it's going. I mean, this is just insane to try to say that people should see higher prices or be made more, have things be made more difficult for them to get the best deal is absolutely insane. Like I'm saying, this is government logic to the extreme. This is something only so stupid that an asshole working for the government could suggest that it be beneficial. It's just like when they have tariffs, you know, only an asshole in government can think of tariffs being a good thing instead of allowing people to buy cheaper goods at lower costs, helping everybody in the process. No, no, no. Let's protect singular industries and drive up the costs of them and disallow people from buying other services or other goods for their needs. Yeah, that makes sense. That helps everybody. No, it doesn't. It helps a small amount of people. Just absolutely ridiculous. So anyway... Uh, An Amazon rep, in response to an article in Recode, said that the relief the attorney general seeks would force Amazon to feature higher prices going against core objectives of antitrust law. The buy box is built to show Amazon customers the site's most appealing deals. It's a consumer-focused product. Upending that system, as this suit aims to do, would result in customers seeing higher prices and worse deals on the site. Yep, exactly right. Absolutely moronic. It's just, it's, it's, again, the crusade... Under the cause of, you know, and look, I have no love for giant corporations. I have no love for Amazon outside of my own personal use of it. But overall, I I find distasteful quite a few things that Amazon does. But at the same time, Amazon got where it is for a reason. Amazon provided the best service, the best offering, the best prices, the best packaging of goods, the most convenient options. It got where it is for a reason. However, we could argue that It's grown as large as it is today 
because of government cronyism. So Howley or uh, this attorney general, instead of trying to sue Amazon over niggly bullshit like this, instead of trying to fuck over the consumers that are getting benefits of these prices, how about you end the bailouts? How about you end your cronious subsidies for Amazon? How about you stop giving them crazy tax deals that screw over smaller competitors that might become the next Amazon? Maybe that'd be good for everybody. How about we have two Amazons competing against each other rather than one mega corporation that you use for everything from storing your government data on its Amazon web services portals? Again, nice private company storing all government data on it. Through to, again, having massive tax subsidies for these people to open up in New York or wherever the fuck else they're going to open up their new warehouses. Government, big corp, sitting in bed, snuggling up to each other while they try to fuck us over with these ridiculous lawsuits. Makes me sick. Um, okay, where are we at here? All right, 40 minutes in. I will talk about two other quick stories, and uh, then we'll wrap it up. You know, and by the way, guys, so I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be in uh, San Francisco with my wife's family, taking the kid up there. So I'm going to be out of the loop. Now, I'm going to bring my computer and my mic to do a recording, but I will let you know right now, it's probably going to be much, much shorter. And uh, I was just telling my members of our pride, which of course you can join for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash lions of Liberty, where you get to see our live broadcasts from the debates, from discussions. We, uh, we live stream most of our multi-guest shows on there live. In addition to the bonus shows that we do on top of the main feed. And of course you get my good morning fuckhead rants. And, uh, I'm going to try to continue those, those fantastic ways to start your day, which are like five to 10 minute singular topics I'll rant about. But, I am going to probably miss a couple days here and there. We'll see how I'm doing as far as the plans the family has. But uh, I will get an episode out for you guys because I don't take days off. So, well, except for the ones that I'm skipping, as I just told you. I don't take weeks off. <laughs> how about that? But, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But I'll, I'll have some for you. All right, round it up. UFOs, guys. You know, let's talk about our pride group. Uh, we actually did our, we call it Mufasa level, right? We have different lion-themed levels in the pride. And our $25 and up people get to jump on a Zoom call with us, which we did on Memorial Day yesterday. And uh, shit, you think I'm hungover today? I was real hungover then. But we were talking a little bit about UFOs. You know, there's been a lot of videos that have been uh, quote-unquote leaked or released lately about I don't know, unidentified flying objects in the air, uh, coming in and out of the ocean. And rightly so, people are looking at this and saying, oh, that's this is fascinating. Oh, my God, what if these aliens are around? The government clearly has seen far more of these instances of crazy flight craft uh, doing, you know, in zero to 60 maneuvers in record time and stopping and starting and, you know, shooting off it's into the sky at crazy angles. All sorts of crap. Apparently, there's more of these videos than we thought. Now, several questions rise to the top. Okay, are they really aliens? Maybe. I mean, I'm of the personal bent that, yes, I believe in aliens because I believe that the universe is so drastically massive that it's almost impossible that we are the only life forms in around, uh, even in this galaxy. You know, I think there's got to be something else out there that evolved, if not on the exact same path as ours, probably has some sort of intelligence that's out there. It's just too vast not to have it. Now, have we been visited? Man, I don't fucking know. I mean, I could definitely buy into the theory that we evolved from some outer space matter that landed on it from some other explosion or a virus or uh, whatever biological particles arrived here. I could even buy into the whole theory that we were seeded here by some alien race. I could buy into that. That's fine. 
But I do question whether or not some of these craft that they're capturing are, in fact, just aircraft that we have right here at home. Good old domestically designed experimental craft that have capabilities that we're not aware of as, you know, peons that are not privileged to see what the government is working on behind closed doors, be it our government or other governments. I think the drone technology has advanced so quickly that a lot of these things could could lightweight drones that happen to be able to move far more intricately than we would expect from a larger aircraft, but they can still show up on radar or some sort of FLIR pickup, uh, you know, the, the imaging that they have on a lot of these craft. So there's that aspect of it, right? But the thing that really comes to the, the forefront of my mind, and this is what we were talking about yesterday, is just the timing of all this. You know, it's like, okay, we just went through these big lockdowns, and now the truth's coming out. The truth is coming out about the lockdowns being absolutely pointless in every nation they were undertaken in. There is zero correlation between lockdowns and any sort of dip in the COVID population, uh, in the dip in as far as death rates. We see, if anything, arguments that the states that did the least amount of lockdowns, the least amount of mass, had the most success in stemming this or at least getting, getting probably to herd immunity. Where the most amount of people got it, those who were going to get it and die, which a certain part of the population was just naturally going to be more predisposed to this disease, sadly, passed away. But the rest of the people got that herd immunity, they're fine, they're out there walking. Or it might have just been that you have people actually going outside in the air, getting sunlight, getting vitamin D into them, which we know was something that stopped the uh, COVID virus from spreading within your cells. So we see that breaking down. We see people turning a lot of ire towards the government, right? We see a lot of questioning of these things. We see a lot of questioning of the narratives. We see the people turning on Fauci, God King Fauci, because of his involvement. We see now the narrative about the Wuhan lab coming to the forefront, how this was developed probably and not naturally occurring. So what a great time for UFO videos to come out, right? Just like we see so often where there's a new terror threat. And don't get me wrong, the UFO videos coming out kind of goes along with climate change. You know, there's a lot more hoopla about climate change now. We got to keep beating that uh, distraction drum. But on top of that, there's also the Russia and China narrative. I talked about this several episodes ago where you're seeing a pivot from CENTCOM, which is focused on primarily they were focused on anti-terrorism activities, right? In the Middle East. And now... Oh, well, they say, well, now we have to pivot because it's China and Russia that are the big dangers. Okay, what happened to all those psychopaths that we were told were going to threaten our liberties? What about all those, all those pieces of shit that we armed in order to overthrow some dictator or battle some other crazy group that turned on us? The Al-Qaeda's of the world, the Al-Shabaab's of the world. What about all those people we were told were, were ultimate threats to our American way of life? Oh, we're not worried about them anymore? Okay, cool. We're just, we'll just look back towards Russia and China. And Russia, of course, who has been the constant boogeyman built up over, over almost a century now. And China, who was one of our closest trading partners for so long. And now, because China, as I guess, got some military designs, they're realizing that they are a superpower in their own right, has beaten a little bit of a drum. Well, now we're told that they are what we need to be worried about, that war with China is almost an inevitability. Of, you know, this is what we're being told by some of these government advisors working under Biden, you know, the Blinkens of the world, the neocons, which he has brought in, this progressive democratic, democratic leader bringing in all these goddamn neocons. 
So yeah, what a convenient time for the UFOs to be trotted out there, to take all of the consumer minds, the ill-informed American populace that can't be bothered to research anything, they can't be bothered to look through the shimmering veil of bullshit that's foisted upon us by the government and realize that they're being absolutely raped at home, that we're seeing our currency undermined because of all the COVID-relating spending, that now we see inflation flying through the roof. But instead of talking about that, instead of talking about the Federal Reserve, instead of talking about bailouts, instead of talking about fiscal debt and that fiscal cliff that's that's quickly approaching, instead of talking about the very real threat that the U.S. dollar could be unpegged from the petrodollar and no longer have the buying power that we want and just sink like a stone— Well, little green men, everybody. Everybody pay attention to little green men. And don't forget that that can also be conveniently used like everything else as another way to bolster that federal budget, right? We Now we need to worry about the aliens up there. We need to develop these uh, super spacecraft to fight back at them. I mean, I got the UN on this. New world government. Everybody's going to chip in. We're going to make some super spaceships, some super lasers. And don't forget the war on terror at home might be over, but at any time. We could have an alien 9-11. At any time, the Statue of Liberty might be thrown into the Gulf or into the ocean. We could have lasers melting her giant green vagina into nothingness. And then where would your liberty be, Americans? These fucking aliens coming here and taking over all your liberties? They don't care about this, the Constitution. They're spying on you right now, looking at you through your toilet. You get what I'm saying. You know, what a great new avenue to to pursue as far as convincing people that there's more threats out there than we could ever know. You know, and this is, we also were hearing about all this other hoopla about comets coming in. You know, every day, how is a news link about another comet just barely missed the the, the country? The a comet just whizzed by Earth. Okay, so fucking what? I don't, I don't care. I don't buy into it. I don't think it's an imminent threat. I think the odds of a comet hitting us and taking out the vast population are probably little to none. And if it happens, there's nothing we can do about it anyway. Period. There's nothing we can do about it. They, they researched it. Right now, where we're at technologically, there's nothing we can do about it. So between the comets and the aliens, we've got a brand new world of funding that has to be allocated. We have a brand new Pentagon budget for the Space Force or whatever else Biden created. I was like, you know, he couldn't go just go along with the Space Force. He had to create some other fucking space-centric org to pump money into. So, a convenient distraction for everybody. Uh, and one more thing, Idiots of the Week, guys, is Ellie Kemper, who is an actress, a redheaded chick that took over for Pam as the receptionist on the, receptionist on the office. Uh, she's on a show called uh, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She just seems like a very cute, fun little girl, right? I, you know innocent little thing but because she grew up in st louis and because st louis has some old ties to uh white supremacy you know like st louis they still say is a fairly racist environment in a lot of ways they say that the uh there's a lot of i don't know passed along generational divisiveness between the whites and the blacks there despite st louis being a fairly black city in its own right so she went to went to a ball And it was when she was 19 years old called the St. Louis Veiled Prophet Ball. Now, this was back in 1999. And apparently the the origins of this is that it was a secret fair originally formed in 1878 to honor the ritual of Mardi Gras. 
and is reportedly associated with white supremacy. I don't know exactly what Mardi Gras and white supremacy have to do with each other, but that's what this New York or this page six article is saying. So they're saying each year they choose a person by a secret board of elites to anonymously play the role of the veiled prophet, who then chooses a queen of love and beauty to dance with and gets a gift, like a tiara or pearls or whatever else. So Ellie Kemper, she was there. She's 19. She went to Princeton, which is close to where I grew up, Princeton University in Jersey. So they said she's the new veiled prophet queen. They picked her out. Now, some this article is claiming that the prophet, the veiled prophet, is said to be dressed with a white clan-style hood and robe while armed with a pistol and a rifle. Uh, I don't see any photos of this because it's a secret event. So this is all hearsay. And as we have seen many, many times in the past, how many you know veiled clansmen robes turn out to be nonsense and uh, and simply misunderstandings. But... Let's say she went there. Let's say there was a, a clan hood and whatever else. Now, the only problem is that this organization, actually, they didn't allow black people before 1979. But then in 1979, they did. So now this organization has black people in it. And I can't think that the black people that were at this ball and part of the organization would be cool with the clan whole, the clan outfit, the guy wearing a hood and a, a white clan robe and picking the, the prettiest girl at the ball, right? Just doesn't fucking add up. Doesn't make fucking sense to me. And as others have pointed out, just like me, there's literally no proof that there's any connection to white supremacy for these people or the KKK, other than the fact that the organization didn't allow black people in until the 1970s. So this chick who has no racist uh, history that we know of, she isn't on video yelling the N-word at people. She is certainly seen to be nice and well thought of within the industry. She went to Princeton University, so she's got to be fairly intelligent, one would argue. And, you know, I'm sure she encountered plenty of diversity there. Coming up in St. Louis, which has, as I said, plenty of black people there. Well, now they're trying to cancel her, right? Trying to cancel Ellie Kemper because the Veiled Profit Ball, which, again, has had African-Americans there since 1979. The Veiled Profit Ball occurred. She was named... The, uh, the prettiest girl at the ball, and despite very little evidence that anything about it is racist, she now deserves to be thrown to the wolves, and the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt will be broken on the wheel of Wook. Anyway, that's it. Fucking idiotic. I just, you know, it, it's, it's truly magical, but at least it plays into my philosophy that cancel culture is speeding up is a great thing, and that People who enjoy Kimmy Schmidt, people who enjoy The Office, which is virtually everybody, will be pissed off, roll their fucking eyes at this dumbass shit, and just be like, you know what? Enough. I don't care. I'm not going to go along with it, and I don't give a shit. And that's how we'll sign this off. I, Brian McWilliams, don't give a shit. So anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Hopefully it wasn't too disjointed with my brain working at half capacity after (laughs) my Memorial Day drinking. And uh, by the way, I'm going to be on, as of the time of this airing, I will have already done it, but I'm going to be on The Naturalist Capitalist with Reed Coverdale, who of course was just on my show uh, recently, along with Clint from Liberty Lockdown. But me, Mark, and Odie are all going to be on Naturalist Capitalist. I think that will be live streamed as of yesterday evening. So you can find that at his YouTube page. Good man, great mustache. All right, that's it. For me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty. 
and Electric Liberty Land. I want to remind you to always stay plugged into Liberty.